Pastor Fred Bond of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And if you're watching me live this morning on video, if you're, if you're listening to me, you won't pick this up until just a little bit, but there's somebody that just suddenly appeared to my right-hand side, to your left in the screen. And folks, this is, a, most of you guys know him that are watching this live, but this is Pastor Terry Sheff, formerly of Raven Midwest, formerly. who has now uh, come here to... Uh, Began the Raven Daytona Beach, and Pastor Terry, good to have you here this morning. Just arrived this past week while I was out of town, actually, and uh, good to have you and Eileen here in the city. And somebody put on the screen, we are almost jealous, and so we would want to provoke our brothers and sisters to jealousy this morning. But folks, it is good to have you this morning. If you are joining us for the very first time, once again, I'm Pastor Troy Baum of the Raven Institute of Ministry, uh, which is a ministry of... Uh, what is it, a ministry? of Raven Ministries International. <laughs> Until I've been out of town a few days. And uh, we, we're here every single Monday through Friday, when I'm in town, obviously, uh, from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. for uh, the, an expository teaching in the Word of God. Right now we are studying the book of Romans. And if you have not been with us in the past, never fear. We make these things available on our website. You can go to www.biggrace.com and click on Raven Institute. And we've got how many, Deb? Deb's in my oh, studio audience. We, this is the 74, so we've got 73 previous lessons in the tank, and you can get those. Also, if you want those on a DVD or an uh, audio format, I can send those to you. I can actually get all of those on one DVD. So these guys that are selling you their teaching tapes for $29.95, I'll send you mine for free because it's only going to cost me about $0.10. Cents. So glad for you to have those type of things. Or you can go to the, the website and download those things for yourself for absolutely for. Free, freely we've received, freely we do give. Like I said, been out of town. If you're uh, just coming back to us, I've been out of town for the last two weeks. I was in one of your favorite places with you. You were with me in Canada. Uh, I guess it was uh, two weeks ago we were there. And uh, then this past week I was in Fairfield, Texas, the home of the Fairfield Tigers or something like that. But anyway, I had a great time with Pastor Meredith Lindsay and the folks there at uh, at Fairfield teaching, and uh, we hit the streets of Austin, Texas, ministering the gospel. So it was good, but it is good to be back in the saddle here at the Raven Institute. Pastor Terry, are you, are you glad to be here, brother? Glad to be here. Glad to have that uh, move over, at least most of the way over. Yeah, I told him before he got on the air, I said, you know, Pastor Terry has a tendency to kind of talk down and low like this. I said, brother, you have to speak up on the Raven Institute because we have people all over the world wanting to hear your voice. Now, uh, brother, y'all got here on Saturday, late Saturday night. Right. Late Saturday night, and uh, got I, I guess they got unloaded with your, your truck and your things. And so some of you guys don't know, but uh, like I said, he was heading up the uh, Raven Midwest and come down here uh, to do Raven Daytona Beach. Even though I live in Daytona Beach, because I'm out so much, we don't, I don't have a whole lot of time to focus primarily on Daytona Beach. So Pastor Terry is here uh, to focus primarily on the Daytona Beach area and to begin to develop the outreaches like we've done all around the country for that. So it's good to have he and Eileen, and off-screen over here, Raven Devins, who beat him to the punch and got here to help as well, off-screen in our studio audience. Good to have them. Also, do not forget, tonight we will have the Raven Nation Live, and that's going to be from uh, 8.30 until 10 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern Time uh, with our folks from around the country. So if you're, you've not been a part of that in the past, you need to be a part of that. And this coming weekend, brother, some exciting stuff coming up. we got folks from literally all across uh, the United States and our uh, Ed and Wanda who, from Raven, Canada, coming down. And they're going to be pouring into the city of uh, Daytona Beach for a time really just investing in their life, refreshing and vision to just go back, hopefully supercharged 
to go back and take these regions for Jesus and uh, maybe put something in them where they'll begin to sow into other folks to, to begin to do the same thing. You know, we, we need people everywhere. That's you know, good. I think about we were on the streets this past uh, uh, Saturday night, I guess it was, and, uh, you know, we have the folks from Fairfield, but we connected with our team from Austin in close proximity. You know, we here in, here in Daytona Beach, we have a Raven Daytona Beach, but an hour up the road we've got Raven Space Coast, which is Titusville. And, you know, we, we can do that. I mean, we, we think about these things being regionalized, but from city to city they need people. You know, you think up there where you were at, uh, you were driving over to South Bend. Man, it'd be great if somebody in South Bend would say, hey, let me do it there to save the 20-minute drive. Chicago. South Bend and Chicago and, and Goshen and Elkhart and all these places around that I believe is raising people up. Pastor Sam had told me there's some, some uh, people there in York, Pennsylvania, just uh, uh, where they've been going into ministry and they live in Hanover that's wanting to do something there. And he said, that'd be great. Save me having to drive up there. We've got somebody that's localized doing that. So we're seeing really God just extend the vision. And we're so blessed by uh, the opportunity to do that. And hopefully our meeting here this coming weekend with folks uh, enable us to just further kind of convey that vision to people as well to do it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Matter of fact, brother, why don't you open us in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we just praise you for this day, Father. We thank you so much, Father, for all that you are, Father. We just ask, Father, that you just just open us up, Father, as far as to be able to absorb all this word today, Father. Father, we just thank you for for your word and what it does in our lives, Father. We just ask that it touch many, Father. We just thank you for this day, Father. We praise you for, for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, we're on the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. Like we said, 73, uh, 73 verses in, or 73 classes into these verses, and we'll probably have 250, 300 classes by the time it's all said and done, but that's good. We'll never be at a shortage to be able to go back and to, uh, uh, to ingest the Word of God. But uh, we're going to actually gonna kind of start at the place that we touched on somewhat in our, first, in our last class. And uh, let's go back to verse 11 of chapter 6. And it says, Likewise, uh, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield uh, ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from, de- uh, from the dead, uh, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so, Pastor, you know, he's talking here, and this is, I think this is so critical. And you see this one verse, I think if anybody could get this one verse out of this, if they could understand verse 11, get a hold of one thing, uh, really in the sixth chapter, I think it's really kind of summed up there, that we are to reckon ourselves to be dead into sin, but alive uh, through uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, traveling a lot, you, you see, you know, you're in a lot of places, you're in a lot of, you're in a lot of Christian circles, uh, but and a lot of people are talking about, you know, man, I feel so alive, I feel so alive. But at the same time, they're they're just as alive to the sin nature as they are as they proclaim to the new nature. And, and brothers, there just can't be those two things active in our life. You know, through the Word of God, that we cannot serve two masters. If that one master is the sin nature and one master is that 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 new born again nature. There's going to be conflict. There's obviously going to be. He said you'll love one and hate the other, or hate the other and love the one. But it's almost like there is an environment of, of compromise that's, that's not being birthed outside the church, but it's being birthed within the walls of the church. 
And what was uh, at one time probably a seduction of Christianity has turned into a reduction of Christianity. I was sharing this past week uh, with a Sunday school class there in uh, Fairfield, Texas about just the, the, the lowering of the standard of righteousness. That it's almost like how little can I do and still expect to go to heaven? Rather than how much can I decrease so that he can increase so that I would be qualified and I would be uh, demonstrative of the new birth or what's happened inside of my life. Now, when you begin to, to call people on that, so to speak, and you begin to bring that up, conflict arises. There, there becomes an issue because people say, you know, well, uh, you're, you're judging me. or you're not. And, and, and we've already been judged. We've got 66 clips of the Word of God here that provide the standard of what it means to be dead in Christ. But I want to, I want to just throw something out this morning. When it says that, that we are to, to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, that word dead is, is the word necros. It's N-E-K-R-O-S. And you can write that down. Now listen to what it, what it means. It's one that has breathed his last, uh, that is, uh, breathed his last breath, lifeless, deceased, departed, destitute of life, without life, inanimate, destitute of any force or power, inactive, or inoperative. And so, I mean, that goes pretty, strikes pretty deep at who we were. And so, uh, but what's also uh, interesting is it says that you should uh, reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin. And so the, the indeed portion of that adds to it. And that's the word, what's interesting about that word uh, uh, indeed in the Greek is if you want an English spelling, it's M-E-N. Now what does that spell? Men. And folks, listen, the deadness ought to come from men, you know, inside of us. And so what that word means, that word men literally means is a certain affinity or, or certainly, uh, certainly dead. That, that it should be the, 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 the most certain thing in our life is that we're dead to the sin, we're dead to the, the influence of that nature, that there's something that separates us from that. And we've talked many times that the testimony in our life has no power until the testator is dead. That if, as long as we're, uh, we're, we're walking in those same examples of what we were, no one's really ever going to grab hold and see the victory in who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, and, and we talk about this, and I, and I shared this with a, with a class there in, in Fairfield, Texas. You know, we, we, we talk about being just poor old sinners saved by grace. And that's almost, that's, a, that's totally a cop-out. You know, because there's no victory in that. We're, 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 more, we're, we're not sinners anymore. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And we, that, does, that doesn't mean we won't sin or miss the mark, but we no longer have a devotion to that. Our devotion is the devotion that Paul spoke of in the first chapter when we became servants of righteousness. We became a bond slave. We became the doulos slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's, it's, we've got that yoke, and we talked about it too, about that the, the grace put the bit in our mouth so that the, the reins of righteousness could pull back and direct us into those areas. But there's a great void within that place of righteousness. And so rather than righteousness, what we do is we, we go through uh, in looking for Christianity rather than righteousness through uh, activities or, or involvement or even manifestations in many cases. And so, and I brought this up and I'll share it with you guys if you've not been to our website, to our blog. And, and, and downloaded the messages Regaining the God Perspective Part 1 and 2 I encourage you to do that and there's another one that I'm going to put on there actually one of the other classes that I did and I'll have that on there this week as well that you can download but one of the points that I made up to, to those folks is just about this whole issue that there, there's got to be a deadness there's got to be a, a new life there's got to be a victory that comes to us but there's such a uh, 
there's such a compromise. There's such a desire to be like it. And, you know, the, the Word of God tells us that we are a peculiar people. And our peculiarness is not based upon our weirdness. Shouldn't be some of the stuff you're seeing out there. Right. Really and so we think that if we're peculiar people, so if we're weird, that means we're right. No. What makes us peculiar is not our weirdness, it's our righteousness. Folks, listen, that's what ought to set us apart from everyone else. Not that we do things different, but that we are different. That, that, uh, that there is a victory in our lives. There is a, a victory over sin. There isn't the, the constant gnawing and the nagging of those things that are constantly pulling us back in. There's not this wishy-washy Christianity and thinking, you know what? And we, we have to uh, slap those bumper stickers on our faces. You know what? I'm a Christian, not perfect, just forgiven. You know, he's called us not only to be forgiven, but that forgiveness should produce a perfection in us, a growth, a maturity in our lives that's going to cause us to walk in a consistency in relationship to victory. But until the gospel gets back to that place, that's a gospel for the victor. Not, 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 a, not a gospel that, that continues to, to allow us to, to walk in this. And think about this. If I'm dead, that it's lifeless, it's deceased, it's departed, what, what should sin be? It, it's destitute of life. It's without life. It's inanimate. Inanimate. It should have no force or power over me. It's inactive. It's it's inoperative. It's not the thing that controls me any longer. But if I come under the control of the new birth and I come under the control of of Jesus Christ, what should happen? It should be operating my life. It should be controlling me. Uh, it, uh, it it should be the the thing that has life into me. It should have the power. It should have the the activity. And if it doesn't, what should I be able to to uh, to, to ascertain from that? I need to come back and I need to repent and I need to allow the gospel to come back in our life. And so we're not just dead to sin, but we should be, there's that word men, that, that, that certain affinity, but we should be certain that sin is dead in regards to its hold on us as believers and followers of Christ Jesus. Can you have victory? Yes. I can certainly have victory over those type of things. Are you going to do that any longer? No, I'm certainly not going to do that anymore. Are you going to cheat on your wife anymore? No, I'm not going to do that anymore. Are you going to continue to, to have bitterness and unforgiveness and, 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 and th- th- those types of things in your life? Absolutely, I'm not going to do that. I'm certain of those things because I'm certain of who I am in Christ Jesus. I want us to, to consider a scripture. We talked about certain, several times as we've uh, looked at Romans because it really, another uh, uh, epistle of Paul that, that talked about this. You know, we've talked about uh, Galatians 2.20 so many times. In this one, but let's look at Galatians two, and let's but let's jump back a few verses to verse seventeen in relationship to reckoning yourselves to be dead uh, indeed unto sin, but alive through God unto our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians two, chapter seventeen, chapter two, verses seventeen, I should say, through twenty-one. We talked about twenty, but I want to back up to verse seventeen and put this in kind of a little bit broader perspective and pull this thing into context. He says this, but if. I, lo- I love what he says that, but if. What, what does but if mean? What does it mean, anybody here in the studio audience? But if. What, what, what's it setting us up for? If we be in Christ. If, you know, the, he always gives us these ifs. So what's he doing? He's setting us up. He's saying, okay, this is conditional. Just in case. Just in case. I'm giving you, it's, con- it's conditional. If. While we seek to be justified, we ourselves are also found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? And so we've got to ask ourselves, he said, but if. He said, Here, here's the situation. But if, if I say I, who I am in Christ Jesus, if, if I say I'm justified, 
But at the same time, I'm found to be a sinner. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? And, and I love the next word that he puts in there. He said the same thing that he said in Romans 6, 2. God forbid. Or my, my, the, 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 the Pastor Troy version is you've got to be kidding. And so if I say that I'm seeking to be justified, I'm seeking to, to be put into right relationship, but I'm, I'm continuously found to be a sinner or devoted to sin, if, what am I saying? I'm saying that, that Christ is a minister of sin. But what is Christ? He's the ultimate minister of reconciliation. And so if He's reconciling me unto the Father, what characteristics should be evident in my life? The characteristics of the Father, which are the characteristics of righteousness. And so what ends up happening is people become devoted to sin, but it really comes down to that, brother. You know what? If we, we say that we have victory over sin, but we continue to walk with, with, within the, the, the sin nature, really, that's exactly what we're saying. We're saying, well, okay, what? Well, he came into my life, but Christ is a minister of sin. Paul said, come on, guys, you've got to be kidding me. If I, if I say I'm devoted to righteousness, if I say I'm a, I, I've been bought with a price, if I say I've been transformed, if I say I'm a new creature, yet the fruit of our life continues to be that of unrighteousness, my, the implication is, is the blood is not enough. The blood does not make victory. It's, got, it's going to have to be the blood, plus you know all these times of, 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 of uh, psycho uh, uh, babble and Christianity, and it's got to be the, the blood and this and the blood and that and 12 steps to this and 12 steps to that. Brother, even, either there is a victory in Christ Jesus or there's not a victory in Christ Jesus. And I, I, uh, I dare to believe that the cross is enough. That there is a victory that comes to us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a victory that, that He has bought uh, for us through His blood. And that we are, as we've taught, we are complete in Him. That there is that. Now, does that mean that, that, that there won't be issues? We have to, absolutely not. That means that there will, but it means that we're going to have victory. We're going to overcome them That's because right. we've been made to be overcomers. That we used to sing the song, if you catch hell, don't hold it. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Yeah, you're going to go through situations that may seem hellish to you. You're going to go through situations that are going to be, uh, be difficult to you. But the thing about it is, as believers, we're going to go through those things. And even according to, uh, to Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to pass through fires and we're not going to be burned. We're going to go through waters and we're not going to be drowned. We're going to have situations. We're going to be confronted with temptation. But there's going to be a victory that He has given to us because there's uh, uh, no temptation that, that comes upon a man but that which is common to all men. But with every temptation, He provides a way of escape. How does He provide that way of escape? Because we have been reckoned to be dead unto sin but alive through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now check it out. It goes on to say... Uh, if. But if, or folks, come on, pay attention. Here we are. Let's set this up. Here's the qualification. Why we seek to be justified by Christ, if we ourselves are found to be sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Then he says in verse 18, But if, for if we build again the, the, the things which are destroyed, he said, I make myself a transgressor. I make myself that, that, that parabates. I make myself that lawbreaker. I, I become that lawbreaker that Matthew 7 talks about. You know, we, we say we do these things, but he'll come to us that day and say, you know what? Uh, depart from me, I never knew you. You, you, you the worker of iniquity. You lawbreaker. You, you parabolis. You, you, uh, parabates. You, you're that one that, 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 that claims to walk in victory, but you're no different than the world that you were supposed to have come out of. And so, then he goes on to say, he says, For I through the law am dead to the law, but I might live unto God. That law for the Jews, it represented this, this standard of things that they thought they could do. For the Gentile, it becomes our own self-righteousness. 
Now, my own self-righteousness or my own ability in the flesh is a sinner, is destitute, is unable. But if I become uh, uh, in that law of the flesh or the law of my members, the law of sin and death, if I'm walking in accordance with that, what am I? I become destitute once again. But if I separate myself through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and now as we'll get into when we get into Romans, that, that the, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. It sets us free from that nature that's always wanting us to resemble it, always wanting us to make excuses, always wanting us to come short of the glory of God, always wanting us to, 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 to walk to a lower standard, walk in an area of compromise. But when the blood of Jesus comes in and we are justified through faith in Him, now, boom, the, the empowerment to walk in victory, to see those things come alive in our life, to, to, to see the, the, the old nature cease and desist and to be destitute of its ability to be destitute of force and of power, to be inactive and inoperative, suddenly comes into our life and enables us to overcome those type of things. Now, folks, don't think for a minute that that thing's not going to stand up and try to challenge you. It will rise up on a daily basis just to see if, 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 if you're still considered dead. Now, now brother, I got uh, uh, you know, radically, radically born again uh, 22 years ago. And I guarantee every single day of that 22 years, that old rascal is knocking on the door, that old sin nature, just to see if there's room for him in the house. He's going to do that. And if you crack the door and you let him peek in, what's he going to do? He's going to come in. He's going to come in with your old issues of anger, your old issues of resentment, your old uh, issues of uh, unforgiveness. He's going to come in and he's going to try to to, uh, push his way back in. He's going to say, you know, I know you kicked me out of the house, but man, can I come back in and, and sleep on your couch? Then he's going to sleep on your couch for a night. Then he's going to get in your refrigerator. Then one day you're going to come home, he's going to be laid up in your bed. And you say, what are you doing there? He said, well, you know what? You gave me rain over the house, so I'm going to take advantage. Folks, listen, every time that thing comes and knocks on our door, whether it's in thought, whether it's in deed, whether it's in attitude, whether it's brought to us through a conflict with another individual, we need to grab that spiritual, uh, uh, the, the deadness of that old nature by the nap of the neck and by the seat of the pants and escort it to the curb of our life and say, listen, you will no longer have victory over me. Then it goes on that verse that we talked about. I'm crucified with Christ. Uh, nevertheless, I live. Uh, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Then he says in verse 21, talking about this, wrecking ourselves dead in sin, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, or what I can do, or what I can think, or my strength, then Christ is die, a dead in vain. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not frustrate that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Because if I say that my righteousness comes from what I'm able to do or what I'm able to think or what I'm able to even feel, then what have I done? Then Christ is dead in vain. Folks, listen. We have got to move beyond the, the, the realm or the level uh, of thinking that, you know what, uh, okay, I'm going to serve God today because I feel like it. Or, man, I, I feel excited. Or, Brother, we're going to be manipulated by those things. Why not walk into a realm of serving Jesus that transcends how I feel or transcends the effect that other people besides Him have upon me? You know, that sounds, that, that, that sounds difficult, but if really if you just begin to look at things in a different way, if we look at what Galatians tells us about that, we don't, or Ephesians tells us that our battle is not flesh and blood or those things that we can feel, those things that we can see, those things that we can touch, but it's a spiritual battle that we're dealing with then we'll cease to allow ourselves to be manipulated by such. 
Then what can we do? We're, we're, then we're walking into in a dimension of faith and obedience and of holiness that transcends the, this law that we have in our members. Now, you and I, brother, we weren't raised as Hebrews. Yeah, I mean, you may be as raised as Hebrews. I don't know if you have. But, you know, we weren't raised under that type of law. But there was a law that we were brought up to. Maybe that law was, you know what, you've got to pull yourself up by your boot, bootstraps. You know, there's your law, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Or, you know what, you don't... And, and so there's certain laws that are injected into us or in, 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 in imparted into us through the traditions of our families and everything else. Well, you know what? You burn me once, shame on me. Burn me twice, shame on you. You know, I may let you buy with it once, but I tell you what, you're not going to do it or it's going to be on. And so we have these type of laws and these ways of dealing with it. How about this one? You know what? Uh, I love them, but I don't have to like them. Think about the, how ridiculous that is. But what is that? That's a law that we come to and we, we think it's Bible. You know what? I, I love them, but I don't like them. In other words, you know what? I, I love you just because I have to say I do, but I can't stand you. I, for, I forgive them, but I won't forget. Yeah, I forgive, yeah. but I won't forget. That's, that's just totally contrary. That's a law in our members. Brother, go, to go back to that sin, how that sin tries to, to come into your life, you go back the last five, six weeks as far as uh, with Eileen and I, as far as with all this you know, selling of the house and the move and everything. And really, after being, you know, basically all my life, you know, since third, fourth grade, I've been there, you know, in, in Indiana. And uh, but all the stuff, and then you know, I was brought up in a home that was full of anger. Yeah. So what what you know tries to come back on on me through all this confusion and just you know all this stuff frustration and anger right. and I mean you know and, and you know it's something that Eileen and I are definitely having to deal with because you know things aren't right in the, the way they should be but we've, we've got to take that and go back to you know what's our base you know what, right. we're, what we're supposed to be looking at and and you know we were already you know, Eileen and I have been up for hours today but we were talking about that I mean we, we really were blessed I mean, we're so blessed, but we get through all the busyness of life, we steer away from the Word. Yes. Or maybe you just get a little bit of it, but, you know, we, we have to seek first the kingdom. That's right. And let Him add everything else. And so that's been a real battle for us. What's interesting is that, uh, that picture should come back in a second. But what's interesting about that is that, you know, uh, if anything can test your faith and try you, it's a, it's a moving company. <laughs> you know, when you begin to move and the frustration, especially if you're moving any, uh, any great distance, what you're going to find is, uh, man, it's going to challenge you and it's going to expose you. As you're, and you know, it's funny about that, brother. You think about it in the, in the natural and put it to the spiritual. As you begin to unpack your closets, so to speak, you find out the skeletons that are in the closets. They want to come back and, right. and move in with you. Amen. The things and, and think about. Look, let's just put this and use this as a as an example. And uh, if you're seeing an unusual picture, just kind of ignore it. And they're saying, "Speak up, Pastor Terry," when you're talking. But uh, what's interesting about that? I'm sure when you begin to unpack after many years, you were living in your house for how long? Well, we've been in two houses for basically 23 years. I bet you begin to, uh, to, to find things and you thought to yourself, where did that come from? I didn't even know I still had that. And, you know, I, I thought we threw that away a long time ago. And, you know, and you finally found things. You think, what are we holding on to this for? And, and brother, it's the exact same way spiritual. When God moves us from one place to another spiritually, there's, there's things that were in our closet. There's things that were in our life 
that we forgot that they were there. And we didn't realize how precious they were. Let me ask you this, because I know what the answer is going to be. As I fix my camera once again, and I'll just ask it right here. You know, I'm sure there was things that you thought to yourself, why are we moving these things again? What's the value in those? But you find that there's a there's a perceived value in things. Then when you get them somewhere, you're thinking, and I had this conversation with Eileen last night. You know what, we... I guess we just need to get rid of that. I don't even know why I brought that with me. And it's the same way with, with spiritual issues as well. I'll let you just, just mention that as a victim of family. Yeah, we had a lot of that as far as so many things. And we had to go into the storage unit uh, the other day and start moving some stuff around. Which our storage unit's full too. But as we moved that stuff, I both of us actually looked at many things and just thought, what in the world is that stuff with us for? But not have any prior experience in that. Uh, if we were to do it again, Eileen actually said that, uh, she said, I wouldn't have brought anything. But uh, we definitely learned a lot from that. Amen. And that's really what you get. You get the, the, the whole aspect of, of walking with the Lord and what am, I, what am I packing with me and what am I bringing? And it's the same thing with this. We don't realize until God takes us to another level exactly where we're at. I know for my life, brother, I've been walking with the Lord a long time. But uh, when he wants to take me to another place and show me something different, man, I realized that just because I tossed something in the closet and closed the door didn't mean it had been wrecking dead. And, folks, really, that's kind of the whole point of this, this situation is, you know what, has, has God wrecking these things dead? Do we have, the, have we killed these things? Or have we just stored them back for, uh, uh, for another occasion just in case we might need that? You know, my dad, when I was coming up, he was always uh, one that would, uh, was a pack rat. You know, he had nuts and bolts that came off of things just thinking maybe he'll need it. He had old lumber and everything else. But he'd always say, you know what, I'm going to hold on to that because I may need that one day. Folks, listen, we do that with sin all the time. We do that with things that are memories or past or, or things that we have against people. We, we, we say, okay, I, I, you know, I, I forgive you. But I'm going to chalk that up because I may need that one day. You may, uh, you may get to me sometime. and I, Yeah, spiritual pack rat, she said. And what we, we say to ourselves is, you know, one day I may need to use that against you. You know, one day, you know, I say I forgive you, and I said that we're, we're past all those things, but that sin is there, and I want that sin to raise its ugly head one day, because then I could say, I ain't going to help you again, because the last time that I helped you, you did this. Now, if I'm being renewed, has anybody here besides me ever had held on to that one and placed it in the closet and filed it in, in, in a certain place? That way I could always pull it back out. Well, I'm not going to do that again, because the last time, well, if we're really dead to sin and we're dead to that old nature, that has no power any longer. And if we function in a Christ-like attitude and have victory in that area, what's happening is brand new. And so the next time someone does something to us, it should be just like the first time, that there's no history in it. But what we want to do is we want God to clear our history. We want Him to, to, uh, to, 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 to look at us fresh and new every day, like gathering up the, the manna in the wilderness but we don't want to walk in that same type of spiritual attitude. Folks, listen, we, we cannot be that spirit. That's a good way to put it, a spiritual pack rat, and, and allow those things to, to, to build up and to do it. I, I, you know, in the natural, I find myself doing it all the time. We're gathering this and that, and we have to go to our, our garage where we store so much of our outreach things, and I'm thinking, man, why did I hold on to that? Or paperwork or whatever else, and I'm shredding just bundles of things. I'm thinking, you know what, if I just take care of that as it came, 
I wouldn't have the big job in front of me. And how many of you guys are out there just like Romans uh, uh, 6.11? You know what? You, you pack those things up, and so when it comes time to deal with it, it's a hard thing. Rather than say, you know what, God? I'm going to open all the doors. i open all the windows. I'm going to pull out all the drawers, and I want to see what's hiding in there today. That's what David said. He said, you know what? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me. See if there's anything that, that's not really dead. See if there's anything that still has power over me, whether it's got some nostalgia in my life, uh, whether it's got some type of history and I just want to hold on to those memories. Folks, listen, there is nothing worth anything in our life behind us but the cross of Calvary. We've got to come to that place. I do not want to frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness comes by the law or those things in my past or those standards that I had before that, then Christ is in vain. And there's another scripture related to this that we've, we've brought up on a few occasions that I want to kind of broaden within the context of this passage. And it's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going all the way to Ephesians 1, 15 because the one that we, we, we talk about all the time, so we know this, we know, we know Ephesians 2, 8. What is it? We're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Let's name each boast. But let's, let's back up to the context and look what he says in regards to what we're looking at in Romans six eleven. He says, Wherefore, uh, I also have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love of all the saints. That's Ephesians 1, 15. And so he's talking, to, he's talking to him. He said, Listen, folks. He said, I've heard about your faith in the Lord. And I've heard about your love and all the saints. Then he says this. He said, I don't cease to, to give thanks to you and make mention of you in my prayers. Uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and that the eyes of your understanding have been enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance are in the saints, and what is the exceedingly greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Now look what he's saying right there. He's saying, listen, I heard of your faith. And the, the, the church at Ephesus evidently was producing the, uh, the type of faith that, 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 that the Scripture speaks of. Because he says, the, he said, I want the, the, the understanding, the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, that you may know uh, what is the hope of that calling <coughs> and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance are in the saints. That is an exceedingly greatness of his power to usward who believe. The power to what? What's that power? The power to go speak in tongues? No, it's not just that. It's power literally to have the victory over the sin nature. And he's telling him, listen, there's an inheritance that came unto you. And the thing that I first inherited, brother, you know what? An inheritance is something new. Have you ever inherited anything from anybody? No. What was it? Uh, just uh, like item, uh, a couple items from my, where my dad passed away, tools. That type of thing. Where are they at now? I just gave them away. The They're day. gone, aren't they? You don't have them anymore. If someone inherits, say someone inherits, someone passes away and they inherit $10,000. They spend $10,000. Where's that inheritance? It's gone. Mm-hmm. Folks, listen. We have an inheritance in Christ Jesus that fadeth not away. And so the reason I brought that up is when we talk about the, infer- uh, the inheritance of God, that exceedingly great power. Now listen, brother, where, where there be tongues, they shall cease. That'll fade away. Whether there be wisdom, it, it shall be done away with. All those things except the, the transformation of who we are in Christ Jesus is going to pass away. And so the inheritance that he's talking about is that new nature that comes into us. Now those other things are strictly just benefits of that inheritance. They're not the inheritance themselves. But folks, what we want to do is we want to focus on the benefits or the offshoots of the inheritance. Listen, we became heirs together with Christ. And so as a result, there was inheritance. 
Part of those inheritances is that in, in this life, I, have, I know that's what you have need of. You have, you have need of a place to live. You have, <coughs> you have need of food. I'll take care of those. I'll supply your needs. But those aren't our inheritance. Because even if, if, if we were like Paul and we declared, you know what? Man, a few times I had to go hungry. A few times I was homeless. A few times those type of things. Does that devoid who we are in Christ Jesus? Does that just remove us from our inheritance? Absolutely not. Those are just situational or circumstantial situations that, uh, that try to dissuade us or discourage us from really truly recognizing what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we have this, if we, if we really begin to look at our inheritance as what it is, it's the power over the old nature and it's the newness of life, our perspective should change. Dave, can I get just a little shot of water? <coughs> so I quit coughing in everyone's ear today. And so we, we have this inheritance, and he goes on to say, which, we, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and mind and dominion. There's those words, principality and power. We, we got out of Colossians chapter 2. We talked about he made an open show of them. You guys remember what principalities and power were defined as? They weren't the, the, the big devil that's, that's floating over the city that we have to climb up in a plane and pour oil over. No. That, that principality was the arche. It was the origin of who we were. And the power was the exousia. It was all the excuses that we used because of who we were. And so we say, well, that's just the way I was raised. You don't know what I went through. I was abused as a child. Or uh, uh, my dad was a drinker. Or I didn't have the privileges. All these times. He's saying, listen, folks. I know what you went through, but none of what you went through compares to what I went through for you. You know what? I was beaten. I was bruised. I was murdered. Uh, I, I, was, I was crucified upon a cross. I was humiliated. All these atrocities were done unto me. But what I'm, uh, what I'm saying is, I'm going back to the source of, of not what happened, but I'm going back to the source of who you are. I'll go back to the beginning. I'm going to take you to that place that's going to nullify all the things that happened to you, and no longer are you going to be the victim. You're going to be the victor. Because we have, this is the victim that overcomes the world. No, this is the victory that overcomes the world. And so victory is not what we do. It's who we become in Christ Jesus. And so I have victory. Why? Because I am a victor in Christ Jesus. And as long as I'm a victim, I will never see the victory. In that vi- and I'll never have a victory over sin. As long as I see myself as the victim of sin, and the sin is that thing that's always there, it's always going to get me, and I'm, I'm always going to fall, I'm always going to struggle, I'm always going to do this, I'm never going to enjoy my inheritance. Right. I can set back, but it's, it's like me receiving an inheritance check and never taking that and depositing it into my bank account so I can draw from it. And so people are holding this inheritance check and saying, look what I got, look what I got, look what I got. But they, they're, they're never walking in the victory that that inheritance should produce in our life. And I believe that's what God wants to bring us back to that place of seeing the victory that He has for us. And, and hopefully we've got, to, we've got to come to that place where we have the victory. Otherwise, we'll never truly be dead to sin. And when does an inheritance typically, is it paid out? There takes, folks, listen... The, the reason that you're not walking in victory, which is your inheritance, is because there's never been a death. And so if people are saying, you know what, why can't I have victory? Why can't I have joy? Because you're still alive. And so just as the, the testimony has no power until the tester's dead, the inheritance is, is not extended until there's a death of the individual that, that, that should be the recipient of that inheritance. 
Inheritance demands death. It demands dying to ourselves. It demands uh, 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 ceasing from that, that, that one condition and bringing this into another. And as long as it's alive, we're not going to have it. So, uh, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also which is to come, and has put all things under His feet. How many things? All, all things. And gave Him to be the head over all things. How many things? All things. All things to the church, okay, we're the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that, that filleth all in all. Look at all the alls that were in that verse. The fullness, what of Him? The partiality, the fullness, the completeness. We are complete in Him. Then, and she, jump down, uh, Ephesians, um, excuse me, Ephesians 1, chapter 2, and He says, and, he, uh, and you He has quickened who were dead in trespasses of sin. Now, I love this in verse 2. Wherein in times past. When? Times past. That goes back to that uh, our verse. You know what? We're dead to those things, but we're alive to Christ. That's our past. So wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among who also we had our conversation. Where? In times past. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, that were by nature. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Folks, listen, I, I say all the time the reason dogs bark is because they're dogs. But the reason that we ought to be walking in righteousness because we have been made the righteousness of Christ through faith in the shed blood of Christ. And so, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherein He loved us, even when we were dead, past tense, in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us to sit with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, when do we sit with Him in heavenly places? Anybody know? Right now. Where are we seated with Him? By faith. In heavenly places right now. So what folks are holding out for is they're holding out for this time that everything's going to be changed and finally I can have the victory. In the meantime, I'm going to struggle. In the meantime, I'm not going to be able to do anything. So folks, listen. Our victory is now. And, you know, as we've talked about, Pastor Sam said it so clearly, and I, I want to coin his phrase, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. And so where we're at is victory because who we are is victory. And so everything that comes out, out of our life ought to be victorious. And he says, among, uh, drop down, and then in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and the kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Then there's that familiar verse, for by grace you're saved by faith, not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. For we are his workmanship... We've received the inheritance created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God had uh, foreordained that we should walk in them. So, folks, if according to uh, Romans six eleven, if we have reckoned ourselves to be dead, then there should be some kind of prevailing uh, victory that accompanies the, that death. Should there not be? And so, the the sins of lust, of greed, of anger, of compromise, lying, stealing, cheating, worrying, whatever you want to, uh, whatever your sin or your flavor of the day is, if if they are indeed dead to me then they should cease to have rulership over me. And so, you know, you could do, if I ask you to just take about 30 seconds and kind of do an inventory of, of those things that are still ruling in your life. What, what was it yesterday? How often did you stay frust, uh, frustrated and you allowed frustration to, to reign over you? Oops, I guess you missed out on that part of the inheritance. What about when, when someone did something and just, you just got angry? Oh, I guess, I guess you're not dead to that and missed out on that inheritance. Folks, you're never going to get the, the inheritance of victory until you're dead to those things that will rob you of your inheritance. You know, you get families. You talked about your, fa your family when, when your, your parents died. They, they wrote you out of the will. 
And so you didn't get, even though there was a death, you were written out of the will for, for whatever reason. Folks, listen. Our sin is what writes us out of the will. Why can't I get victory? Well, because you need to repent. You need to believe Jesus. You need to, you, you, you need to, to step away from those things that are controlling you and have, have had victory over your life and have dictated you and you need to move. Unless, and I want to say this. You can write this down. Welcome, Pastor Sam. Unless my deadness, unless my deadness to these things ceases to be declaration, it'll never be demonstration. Okay? My, de- my, my deadness has got to move from declaration to demonstration. And so what I mean by this is, folks, we have whole factions of people who are more inclined to speak it into existence rather than living out the existence. Do you hear what I'm saying? Folks are wanting to have their, their, the deadness to sin as, as just a declaration of what they say rather than the demonstration of who they are. And so you'll never have that. You'll always frustrate yourself. You'll, you'll always frustrate the, the grace of God, as we, we've talked about. And, and you'll always be in that God forbid or you've got to be kidding me mode and, and never seeing the hand of God move. And so we, we've, we've got to cease to try to speak it into existence and start living it out because that is our existence. I am free. I am new in Christ Jesus. Not because I said it, because that's the fruit of my life. It's, go ahead. Let me tell you one thing. If you look at that first chapter of Ephesians, and at one time I, I circled, you know, in Christ Jesus, in Christ, through Jesus, in Him, in Christ, in Him. I mean, you look all down through there. I mean, it shows us where we need to be. You know, where the, where the victory is going to come from. I mean, it, all through that first chapter. You can't have that second chapter if I'm we're saved by uh, grace through faith unless we have the first chapter. All the ifs and all the throughs and all the here's where we put our, our trust in. Then we come to that place of victory. But once again, folks, we've got to live out our existence rather than just talking about our existence. And you know, people say stuff like, uh, they'll say, well, how are you? Well, man, I'm just really struggling. Well, don't confess that. In other words, no, just, just lie enough about it and hopefully you'll, uh, th- th- you'll think that it's real. You know, well, have you been sick? No, I haven't been sick. I'm not claiming that. No, the reality of it is you have been sick. That's where you're at. But the, the, the greater reality is that because I'm willing to confess my sins to another, confess the shortcomings, confess those type of things, what am I doing? I'm saying I'm standing in a place of victory that I'm going to have victory over that because I acknowledge the skeletons that are in my closet. I acknowledge when I begin, that I was a spiritual pack rat. I acknowledge those type of things. And so as a result of that, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders in the church. Is that what he tell, tells us? But what if I refuse to just admit that I'm sick? Then I never call for the elders of the church. I never get prayer. Why? Because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that my deadness is declaration and not demonstration. Folks, listen. You're, you're never going to speak anything in existence. It's not going to happen. You know, I could say here all day, you know what? These clowns on television, they're off the air, they're off the air, they're off the air. You know, in faith, you know, they're still going to be there. Why? Because I know what the Bible says. It says that in the last days, it's going to wax worse and worse and worse. And so I can't say it's better, better, better and expect it to happen. You know, because, because my existence or my faith is not built around or interdependent upon those things around me. It's still Christ in me, the hope of glory. So my victory is internal, not external. The only thing external is the manifestation of an internal victory that I already have. And so, folks... If we need to begin to walk in the demonstration of the truth because when we know the truth, it makes us free. Not to do freedom, but to be freedom. It is for freedom that He has set us free. It's to make us 
free that freedom came in the name of Christ Jesus. So then, if we are dead to sin, then we should be alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That word alive, I love this, it's the, word, it's the Greek word zeal, which is Z-A-O, if you want a Greek, uh, English spelling of that Greek word. And it means to live, to breathe, to be among the living, not lifeless, not dead, to enjoy a real life. And so if I'm alive unto God through Christ, it's to have true life that is worthy of His name, to be active, to be blessed, to be endless in the kingdom of God, to live, that is, to pass life in the manner of living and acting out of moral morals or character of Christ. It's having living water, having vital power in itself, and exerting that same upon the soul. And, and metaphorically, it's to be full of vigor, to be fresh, strong, efficient, uh, as an adjective, it's to be active, powerful, and, and efficacious. And so that is the life that demonstrates the new birth and the death to the sin nature. But we cannot allow those things to continue to reign in our lives. And what's reign? We've talked about this in the past. It's something to set upon your life as a king. And so we, if, if we really genuinely come back to what we're talking about, then, then no longer will sin reign in our life it's not going to have victory. Then in verse 12 of, of Romans chapter 6, let therefore sin not reign in your mortal body. Don't let it sit as a, as a king in, in who we were, in that thing that was dictated by the sin nature that you shall obey the less thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from Christ and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Okay, we fixed it. Uh, so if I don't let sin reign, if I, well, let me back up. If I am victorious and righteousness reigns, then that means that what? Sin will not reign. Because I, I can't walk in a life that has multiple thrones and multiple kingdoms. I've got to let my, His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven to the degree. And so if I'm allowing the will of God and the kingdom of God to reign in my life then I've, 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 I haven't split my affections and my affinity towards two different things. And, and I love, you know, and so as a result, I won't obey the lust thereof. And just look at verse 13. Don't yield your members as instruments. What's instruments? Those, those are any part of your body, thoughts, your hands, Anything about your life is instruments. It, it literally, it's a tool. And so I don't want to yield my members as instruments of unrighteousness. And so anything about me, anything, it's not going to be a tool of unrighteousness. Nothing is going to be used to it, whether it's my attitude, whether it's my heart, whether it's my feelings, whether it's my fears. Whatever it is in my life, no longer can I allow those things to be instruments of unrighteousness. But I've got to yield those things. And to yield is just to submit. It's to give over. It's to surrender unto God as those things are alive from dead, as your instruments of righteousness unto God. Folks, listen. What's that? Yeah, instruments can be arms or weapons. Anything that becomes a, a tool or a weapon. Pardon? That's so powerful. She's off screen, off, off mic saying, this is, so, this is so powerful. And it really is. And think about this. The weapons of our warfare are what? They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we have a weapon in the form of righteousness. Now, folks, listen. What is our weapon? And it's all the way back to what I started out. It, it's, our weapon is righteousness. Our weapon is not weirdness. Our weapon is not uh, church attendance. Our, our weapon is not knowing all the words of the song. Our weapon is the righteousness of God that's revealed from faith to faith. 
Now, it's going to produce those, the fruit is going to come out of those things, but ultimately the weapon is not me sitting, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to shout at the devil enough. That's not my weapon. My weapon isn't saying, well, I bind you, devil. The, the weapon of my life is the righteousness that has come into my life that has changed who I am. Now, now think about that. You know, two of my brothers, Pastor Todd, who many of you guys know, and my brother just older than him, you know, they were, uh, they were always real close. I say that facetiously because they fought like cats and dogs as kids. They would fist fight. But listen, nobody else better get into their, their fight. Because then both of them would be on you. They'd forget about their battle with one another and they'd get up on you. Why was that? Because they were brothers to one another. And so there was a benefit. There was a weapon from the other one that the other one would get on you if you tried to interfere with something. Folks, listen. Because of who we are in Christ Jesus, because the righteousness of God has come, nobody better get on us. Christ is going to correct us because He is righteousness. And so, because we're, we're, He's our brother, and we're, we're adopted in and we're heirs together with Christ. But nobody else better do it. Christ is going to chasten us. Christ is going to uh, uh, correct us when we're wrong. But I tell you what, nobody else better jump in there. Otherwise, what's going to happen? He's going to turn on them, and they're going to feel the wrath of, of the Almighty God. Folks, that's exactly what it is in our relationship with God. You know what? We get there, and yeah, there's things we have to go through. There's a refining process that has to, has to happen. But we are victorious. That's our nature. That's our inheritance. And that is our weapon. The weapon is the fact that who I know and who is in me. You know, you heard people, people say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know what? That's the way it is in the kingdom. I can say I know all these Bible passages, but if I don't know Christ... There's no victory for me. I'm just reciting something and I'm still walking in the deadness of the old nature. So folks, listen. That's, that's really the whole key to verse 11. We're really going into verse 13. And we're going to touch on that some more tomorrow. Is, is Listen, we, we've got that place. We've got the, the deadness of that life ought to expose in us the inheritance of the righteousness of God revealed. Folks, we are out of time. We will be on tonight for the Raven Nation program. I encourage all of you to come on there. And uh, I'm going to fix the camera so we won't have to be stopping and fixing that. We'll have that. Love you guys. Missed you the last two weeks. Glad that you are back. And we hope to see you this, uh, this evening. And I know we're going to have several folks that are going to be with us this coming week here at Daytona Beach. Some of you that are coming in early, uh, we'll probably not have this. If we can get them up this early, set up a nice little studio audience. And uh, we'll put them on camera and, and field some questions regarding to the book of Romans. Anyway, folks, we love you and we're going to go today. But we got one bit of advice for you. You want to help me, brother? Get, get into, into God's, God's Word, word and God's, God's Word will get, get into you. you.